Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast, PB and Chill. We're your hosts, Bhavna and Pooja. We are both seniors in college from Buffalo, New York, and we grew up as best friends. Although we have many similar experiences, we each have our own take on all sorts of different situations. We're coming at you not live from social distancing to reflect on these situations with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of PB and Chill. Thanks for listening. Okay. Hey guys, welcome back to our November episode of PB and Chill. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the election that is currently going on. Today is Friday, November 6th, and basically from today, at least the results from today and the projections for tomorrow, it looks like Biden is going to be our president and Kamala Harris is going to be our vice president. That's what that's what it should, we're, it's not 100% yet because it's only Friday, but perhaps tomorrow it'll be called. Okay, so that's Bhavana playing it safe, but I'm out here celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to play it safe. Um, I have not done any work for the past week. I don't think any of us have. I'm just going to round it up to a week. You know how John King looks at his like percentage numbers and he's just like... Yeah. <laughs> Let me just round it. <laughs> this says 76.8%. We're just going to round that to 77 <laughs> <laughs> three days i'm just gonna round it to a week (laughs) yeah no i think okay i think it's really interesting because this is at least for me this is the first election that i've been like following from the beginning because 2016 could we vote no no so like i was like in and out like i knew what was happening but i was also like oh like Trump is like, this isn't serious, blah, blah, blah. And then my mom was like, oh, yeah, like Trump won. And I was like, well, that's that. But this is the one where, like, I feel like this is probably the biggest, probably maybe going to be the biggest election of our lifetime. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people say that. And I actually have a couple comments on that, which is just like touching on what you just said, where you know, in 2016, you weren't paying attention that much, but I've been involved in politics since, like, I was two, in 2008. Like, I, I remember in fourth, oh I remember in fourth grade, I made a homemade, like, Hillary for president sign and taped it up to my cubby. And, like, oh and I was, like, everybody was, like, you're literally eight years old. And I was, like, fuck yeah, I am, like, Hillary for president. Um, And I remember that, like, in, like, um in 2012 like when obama was running again like i had like intense discussions with like my eighth grade science teacher and like he clearly was a republican but i was like spewing all these facts about healthcare and why obama was better than mitt romney and he was like you are literally 12 years old and i was like hell yeah (laughs) hell yeah i am um but when people say that this is the most important election of our lifetime i come to wonder if we think that way only because that's what's happening right now But the fact of the matter is... It is, right? It is because of that. But the fact of the matter is, like, what if 2016 was the most important election of our lifetime and we already blew it? Like, imagine what the damage that Donald Trump has already done to our country. Upwards of 69 million people have voted for that guy again. That's what... That is honestly what's more terrifying than the results of the election. And, like, Priya would bring this up to me a lot, and she would be like, Pooja, like, 
I, you know, even if he ends up winning, like, what about all these people that still ended up voting for him? And you see all these text posts that are like, there's still, there are a lot of people in this country, almost half the people in this country that still believe that racism and all the bad stuff, to generalize it, all the bad stuff that Trump has done was not a deal breaker. And at that point, when she was saying this to me on like Tuesday, I was like, Priya, I can't think in this like abstract fashion right now. I just need Joe Biden to win before I think about that. We... We as in blue, because Pooja and I are both Democrats, but... <laughs> if you didn't know by now. <laughs> we should have won by a landslide. We should have, right? We should have. And the fact of the matter is that we still lost seats in the House. Yeah, we have a majority, but not as big as we had before. And we were supposed to claim the Senate and we didn't. Exactly. And it's like, it was, it's still close. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's still pretty close. And it's like, how? How did it get to be this close with this many educated people in the United States? So that's when I say, like, I don't know if this election was the most important election of our lifetime. I think I think 2016 was and we already blew it. And now it's about recognizing that and what we have to do next, because Joe Biden, I feel like, is the perfect candidate to return to a sense of normalcy like how i was explaining to like our group chat in the morning like i don't feel like i'm waking up to the beginning of the seventh harry potter movie anymore but at the same time like there's still a lot more work to be done and that is like with the democrats as much as we're democrats like we need to recognize that the democrats are just as bad in a sense as the republicans like when it comes to being complicit when it comes to being like recognizing and working on the wrong issues then because if six if upwards of 69 million people are voting for Trump, like something is wrong, like with those people's livelihoods, too. And we need to do something to help them and get them out of this funk that they actually truly believe that Trump was the only one working for them. OK, I I don't think that Joe Biden is like the perfect candidate, but I think with what we're dealing with, like, again, for me, it's settle for Biden. Right. At least for me. But. I think, I don't know how to put this into words, but like, I think we're definitely moving in a better direction. I don't think we're close to even being there yet. But if we do win this, I think it's a, like, I think Trump getting presidency again is, a, is 10 steps back, right? With everything that's gone on this year, with the pandemic, with literally every like, freaking death this year i think this is a step in a brighter direction we're definitely not even close to being quote-unquote normal and like what is normal now right i think that for a while normal has to have been redefined and i feel like both the democrats and republicans have been dancing around it and i think even though republicans were dancing around it trump kind of like understood in one sense that normal had to be redefined and he redefined it in his own way and he like played because he's a reality tv star so he was able to play off his rallies he knew what his audience was and what they vibed with and he his audience were people that either didn't think that racism was a deal breaker or in themselves were racist that's what his audience was that he played with and he redefined normal in that way so now i think that joe biden not only has the like extremely hard task of redefining normal again but then 
it's kind of like equilibrate it and then bring it forward because now he has to first of all balance out whatever new normal Trump created and then actually redefine a new normal that not only the Democrats who voted for him to do that like not only for them but also for the other people that voted for Trump that didn't that were those people that said like racism wasn't the deal breaker because for those people I really believe like okay like yes that statement sucks to say as two women of color like that racism and sexism and all this like really awful stuff wasn't deal breakers for these people but if I'm gonna bring in any sort of leniency into this even though those people maybe don't bring any sort of leniency onto like those things about me it's that maybe their livelihoods are on the line there are people in these rural cities that i'm living in like right now where i go to college that are suffering and their livelihoods are on the line and nobody democrats or republicans have been doing anything for them and that's why they continue to vote for someone who who is a populist who says like i who even though in, in all sense of the word, Trump is literally nothing like these people. Yeah. He found a way to convince them that he was. And so that's who they vote for. They don't want to vote for the establishment. They don't want to vote for like people who come as politicians. They want to vote for someone who they quote unquote think is like them. So Joe Biden has to first reestablish an equilibrium and then cater to a new normal that allows them to see that they don't have to put like racial and cultural issues on the back burner and reestablish their li livelihoods on top of that like they can do both they're not mutually exclusive right and i think i think by normal like i don't even know like i can't even begin to to try to describe what normal is because our normal before everything that's happened this year still is there's extremely huge amounts of institutionalized racism right like, the Black Lives Matter movement opened up so many, like, uh, what is it called? Closets? Not closets. Opened up a lot of... Wounds? Wounds? No, wounds. I can't think of the word. But it opened up, like, a lot of things where, like, we need to now, like, address that. Everybody knew that it existed, but nobody said anything, right? And, like, we're complicit ourselves, right? Like, in all of that. Like, we're not, we're not Black. Like, we can't speak for them. But... It's just it's just crazy that like like you we can't go back to normal because there is no going back. There's no such thing. We cannot go back to normal. Like back to normal is 10 steps back because at least we've like we've addressed these like everything that's happened like the institutionalized like racism that's happening in in our country today and now we have to like like keep that momentum going somehow completely see what you're saying because going back to normal means going back to not recognizing that those things existed but now it's the new normal has to be um understanding that these now that we understand these things exist how do we address them in a non-trump administration i think that's gonna be one of biden's hardest jobs is figuring that out he has a lot ahead of him and i think i think that might be biden's hardest job but honestly I think that it, it also requires, I don't think it can be an administration thing. I think it has to be a ground level grassroots understanding where we talk to our peers and we tell them like, whatever you think you can just put on the back burner about life, like you can't. Like as much as like, tr like 
the fact of the matter is, like, in our last episode during the debate, I was telling you that I still have friends around me who are like, what are what is actually the difference between these two candidates? No, exactly. I agree that you have to start from the, like, ground up. But at the same time, it's like administration and the government has to set a good example of it as well. Right. And you see that with Trump's administration, he set a bad example. And look how many people freaking followed him. Right. In fact, they fed off of his like bad energy, if that makes sense. They took everything he said so literally, which shows you how much power a president has. But I I don't know. I think I think we need to see a really, really good example set by the Democrats, like in power if they win um, to be able to even start that like ground up change. So uh, honestly, like like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden have a lot of work cut out for them. And I'm interested to see how different, hopefully, it is from the, the Trump administration. It has to be. Yeah. I think that in like many ways, it's going to be different. Like, obviously, first of all, first of all, like political opinions aside, like I think that it's so obvious that Trump just psychologically like you can tell when someone is a narcissist you can tell their actions you have to look at the actions someone says rather than the words they speak and this guy cannot handle losing and like people literally on like and on commentaries you hear people like republicans who want to dissent from trump you hear them talking about how the only way to get trump to concede is to convince him that he still won like you tell that to a first grader you don't tell that to the president of the united states unless he literally has a complex that like is inhibiting him from being mature this is really funny like Shreya and I were talking about this literally today on our walk, like from our apartment to like campus. And we were just like thinking, we were just like, like, to be honest, what did Trump have to gain from being the president of the United States? Power. He's a billionaire. He has his own like show, like he's a celebrity, right? What did he gain? By doing this besides stress. It's a classic trope though, Bhavana. Like, it's a classic trope. This guy comes from wealth. His dad isn't nice. He loses a brother to addiction and he himself has a narcissistic complex. He has all the money in the world. He squanders it all. He still wants more power. What is the next thing you can do? Hold the highest office in the world. It's literally a science fiction novel. It is, it literally. Except it's reality, not fiction. Also, like, he is in, like, con- like contest as in, like, he's in contest. No, that's not a word. Conflict. He's in conflict with, like, every state right now. Like, and even during his administration, like, him and the states were in so much conflict. Like, how can you be, like, the president of the United States and supposedly love your country enough to, like be the president and like give up your like life for that when he doesn't even love his country like i'm just so confused one of the things that rick santorum said that threw me for a loop was when he was like talking to like anderson cooper and he was like i truly believe that no matter what you say donald trump loves his country and i was like i don't even see it i was like really you like you you truly believe that 
you truly believe that? Like, really? Yeah, I think he likes. I think he likes the idea of like being American and like that whole like freedom, blah blah blah. Like he just he just like, but he doesn't actually like the con. You know what I mean? Like it's ridiculous. Like he's always in conflict, like with every state about everything. And it's like, like just this. This is a sign. Is this not a sign? All I can say is that I think that you know Trump. He's a terrible person. <laughs> That's all. Cap. <laughs> like no. But I feel like after he leaves, the best way to remove him and all the damage he's done is to stop talking about him that's a that's because he feeds off of that he feeds off the attention and he feed like when he says misleading comments he wants you to talk about them like and like so i there's a difference though between don't talk about him versus don't talk about like anything that happened in this country within the past four years that he ignited no we have to address the issues in this country that are clearly making us a very polarized country. But those aren't issues that Donald Trump created. They're issues that Donald Trump brought out. So let's address them, but let's never talk about him again. That's my take on it. Because as soon as you talk about him, he he wins. He wins if you continue to talk about him. He wins if you continue to bring him up, if you continue to call him the worst president of the United States, if you continue to talk about how, like, he's, like, a terrible person, so malicious, so sexist, all that stuff, if you continue to talk about him after January 20th, 2021, he is still winning. And we can never mention him ever again in our podcasts. <laughs> um, so, not only, we will just, every time we want to talk about da- da- um, Donald Trump, we'll just replace it with Pat Berg. Equally terrible. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know, Pat Berg. I'm sorry, man. I don't mean that. Don't mean harm. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, it's really interesting. And you know what's something like taking this in another direction, like focusing on students and like mail-in votes and everything. Like, it's 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 crazy to me in a good way how much like mail-in votes counted this time around. And that comes from mostly, I mean, actually, I don't know this, but I'm assuming it comes from mostly students of some sort who are like away from home. So they have to like mail in their ballots. But like, we actually made a difference, dude. Like, we made a difference. We, I'm pretty sure I, once again, I can't like confirm this just like you, but I'm pretty sure we, there was the highest Gen Z like millennial turnout of any election. Where it's like, most of the time it's like, oh, millennials and Gen Z don't vote. But I think like at least this time, like we did. Which is really funny because I think that just says something about like our generation is like, we won't do something unless we absolutely have to. (laughs) You know your girl's delaying all her work until Sunday because it's due Monday. (laughs) You literally like... I just feel like that just describes our generation in a nutshell. But at the same time, we still do it. We get shit done. Like We get shit done. We just wait till the last minute to do everything. But we get it done. And is that necessarily a bad thing? <laughs> but no, I agree with you. And I think, 
I think that that's why I'm saying, like, as much as, like, we have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Joe Biden's an old dude, man. Like, when John Mulaney went on SNL and he said it's an elderly man contest, he wasn't lying. <laughs> like, we <laughs> But, like, that's what it was because, yes, and Kamala Harris, she's young, she's amazing, I'm definitely going to start talking about her soon, but, like, it's about our generation, like, and as much as, and we, we get to take it in the direction that we want to take it in, like, if we want to take it the progressive route, we can, if we want to bring ourselves back to moderation, we can, but there, if there's Gen Z people like me who don't, want extremes ever that we just want moderation but you start becoming apathetic to the cause because you feel like you're getting polarized you're just as part of the problem because i'm out here i want moderation i want like a middle ground i want like people to like i know that there has to be compromises between both sides because that is literally how life works and i'm out here advocating for that because if someone isn't advocating for it then it's not happening and then you don't get what you want right decisions are made by the people that show up With the election, you have to be because you have to like you can't be like a Bernie Sanders supporter and be like and be like, I'm not voting for Biden because I hate Biden. Well, it's like, oh, if you don't vote for Biden, Trump's going to win. So like if at least Biden's on the left, like vote for him. You know what I mean? But when it comes to activism after the election, if I want something that isn't spoken for by the progressive side and is definitely not spoken for by the conservative side, then I have to speak up for it. Otherwise, no one is speaking up for it. But the more I speak up for it, the maybe the more my friends around me are like, hey, like I kind of agree with you. I don't really want to be dragged to the left or dragged to the right. I want to be in the middle. Like then speak up with me. Talk about it with me. Don't be complacent in any regard. Sorry, I'm just staring at that plant. That plant? How could you even yeah. see that? In the, in the background. <laughs> yeah. I think it's really cute. <laughs> um, That's the aloe plant that my biochemistry teacher gave me, actually. No, but I, I completely agree with you. I think I, I, I'm interested, actually, to see what happens after the election. Like, because I just feel like we've kind of been living in this um, time period right now where it's like pandemic, election, Black Lives Matter, like so many different things happening. And like the election was kind of just like slapped on top. Like, oh my God, like we have to think about this now, right? Like the past couple months. And I'm interested to see who like stays active after, right? Because I see every single person and their mom posting on their Instagram story, like Biden, but like, I mean, that's great. Like, I mean, I only really follow Biden people. So that's like all I see, which is also something I need to like work on, right? But yeah, I know. But like, it's it's interesting because like everything I see is Biden Harris because I've all my friend like all the people I surround myself with are Biden Harris as well. Um, but I'm interested to see like I I see people posting like certain things like um I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but just like like uh things of the left that like are good like like policy changes like things like that. And I'm and I'm wondering like are they only posting it? right now because of the election or are they going to continue that activism like after too i don't know i'm interested to see what happens after to be honest i think that it's the most critical thing i think the election was the was a start 
Like, that's all it was. It was a start to return to equilibrium, and we need to now continue. If you just stop now, the whole point, the whole reason Biden was able to get this momentum and the whole reason he was able to win is because people were fighting for his win. Like, and everywhere. Georgia turned blue because of Stacey Abrams, who, like, that is why Georgia is blue, because she was active within her own state and got people to vote. Her and other people, yeah, no, but like the Democratic Party of Georgia, they like, right. and then the people, the grassroots people within Georgia, right? And the same goes for people in uh, Michigan, in Detroit, in Wisconsin. Um, people are fighting in those states, those critical states, and we need to start recognizing those states and like how, why they're so critical, why are these people fighting, and how we can contribute to their cause and then also it all starts at a local level what is going on in our own cities in our own towns in our own like places that we're living in right now what's going on in like rochester what's going on in olean where what can we do in these places that we're in right now to help these cities understand that maybe one path that they saw that they thought was going to help them might not be the best route for them and that we can come up with new ideas that is very inclusive that's very um, understanding of everybody's background and actually gives everybody the American dream that they want. Speaking of that, Kamala Harris. <laughs> um, I am writing a Medium article on this right now, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because Kamala Harris, like, to me, is extremely... Uh, I don't even, like, have the words, essentially, but, like, I think that 2016 was literally, like, one of the worst moments of my life because, like, I told you before, like, in fourth grade, like, I loved Hillary Clinton. Um, controversial opinions aside, like, I don't really care. I'm a Hillary stan, okay? Like, I loved her. And watching her lose to someone who was extremely underqualified compared to her, it nobody will be able to understand, and I don't need other people to understand how much that hurt me. But... Being able to see Kamala Harris be in the White House, the first woman in the White House, and the fact that that girl's heritage is Thummel, it's it it literally rings so hard in my heart. That woman's name is a Thummel name. Like her name is Kamala. It means Lakshmi. Like your middle name is Lakshmi. Like I'm just out here like. She, she has a Hindu name. There's a Hindu name in the White House. This girl isn't Nikki Haley. She isn't Bobby Jindal. These, she isn't the people that changed their names to fit some white person narrative. Her name is Kamala Harris, and she's lived up to both of her identities as a black woman and as a South Asian woman. And as many, like, South Asian people come up to me and are like, well, when did she, like, actually ever, like, use her Indian identity? She used her Indian identity by keeping her name. She used her Indian identity by referencing her mom as her stronghold. Like... I am an Indian American woman all the same. Like, I don't need to be Indian 24-7 to be an Indian American woman, but I'm sure as hell not Nikki Haley, who doesn't let anybody know what my real name is and, like, never wants to identify with my Indian half at all. Like, she kept her name as Kamala, and to me, that means something. That means that she is recognizing the Indian part of herself. She's recognizing the Tamil part of herself, and now she's in the White House. And I think that's amazing. And that did make me cry. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I can't like say it with any more passion than you can really. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's amazing that we as South Asians, South Indians have representation in the White House. I think that's the, the first step. It's the first thing. It just it makes me 
I never understood how much of an impact representation has until I'm represented. Because now that I see a woman with the name Kamala in the White House, I'm going to D.C. Part of me is like, what's stopping me from running from office? For office, not from office, Lamau. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> what's stopping me for running for office? If she could do it, why can't I? I could see it. Pooja Sasank in 2020, 20, 20 something. <laughs> I have to be 35. <laughs> 20, 20, 30, 20, 40. <laughs> I don't even know. But I could see it. See? But like, but what's stopping me? Like, the idea is like, maybe when I saw Hillary Clinton, I was like, oh, a woman can be president. But now I'm looking at this and I'm like, a Thummel woman is also in the White House. Like, what's stopping me? Think of like, uh, it's interesting because you, you, you talked about your like eight-year-old self or uh, 16-year-old self, right? It's like, imagine how many... 16-year-old South Indian girls she is affecting right now. Even younger than that. Even younger than that. I think I think that's that I think to me that's what's important. It's not so I don't know. It's not so much me because well, for me I know I would never run for any office of any sort ever. But I imagine like all of the young girls, South Indian girls like us when we were, you know, in elementary, middle school, whatever how many like how that is affecting it's not even like i don't even know how to explain it it's just like the the connection that you feel now you know it's just if you see it you believe it that's really what it is and it goes you can see the negative and positive controls of that statement because when donald trump is in office when i see it i believe the hatred and i believe the disgust and i believe the malice that i see but when I see Kamala Harris in office, I see the potential that I have to be there too. I see that just because I am a brown woman doesn't mean that I don't belong, I don't not belong in the White House, something that is our house, the American people's house, I can be there too. And I think that is extremely important. And the fact that I can be there, the fact that there are 16-year-old Indian Tamil girls, South Asian girls, South Indian girls who can see her and think I can be there too, that really means something to me because I know that you know, when you're younger, when we were younger, I don't know what we considered what our options were, but I know that in my eyes, my options were limited because I didn't see many female Indian CEOs. I didn't see many female Indian like lawyers and stuff like that. I really only kind of saw doctors and gratefully that's what I want to be, but that's all I saw too. But there's girls now who maybe they don't want to take this route, but they see something that they do want and they see a person out that looks like them in that position. And they're like, so if she can get there, I can get there too. Mm-hmm. You know what? You you know what though? Like my thoughts though is like I want to see what she does and if she truly like lives up to her name because I feel like at least from what I've seen there's so much hype which I completely understand but again like you said I need to see it to really solidify and believe it. I think that that's a great point and I think I read an article about this the other day which was um. The idea of Kamala Harris right now deserves to be celebrated. Um, Whatever, like, the fact that there's a glass ceiling that's been broken, that deserves to be celebrated. But once again, the work isn't done. Exactly. And that's where where I get concerned. But I don't want to believe that the work can't get done. Because she... I think think it can get done. And she hasn't given any signs that it's not going to get done. Because in my eyes, I believe that, like, this election was 100% about 
um, understanding that you had to get Trump out of office and like you just had to work with whatever you could to make sure you got to that point. But now that you've gotten to that point, you can actually you start doing the stuff you want to do because now you got there. Like the first first things first, second things not at all. Like if you don't even get there, you can't do the work you want to do. So they had to exactly. campaign to figure out how they even get there in the first place. And I think they did a great job of doing that because obviously they got Georgia, they got Pennsylvania, they got the blue wall back essentially. So they got that. So now they can go ahead and do the work. And I think I think another thing is, though, like what I was saying before, is that you have to light the fire underneath these people who are supposed to be working for you. They're holding public office. So you can't just be like, oh, she's in it now. She has to do all the work. Like, no, she works for us. So we have to tell her what we want. We have to speak as people. If we don't work, she doesn't work either. Exactly. No, I think, I think, I don't know. I think these next... Well, I mean, until like, I don't know, January 20th, January 20th, right? 2021, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do in the first 100 days. Yeah, and if, if, if it doesn't live up to what they've been saying, I'm going to be so disappointed. Like, it's, it's going to crush. But I have hope. I have a lot of hope. I have a lot of hope that it's going to be better than what we've seen in the past four years, at least. But I don't know. For me, it's 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 like I, I think we've gained so much, but we still have so much more that needs to be done that I feel like I can't let myself get too like not happy, like too invested in it if they're just going to disappoint. You're saying but you're saying the entirety of the cause because you shouldn't get too invested because, like I said, these people work for us. They work with us. So we have to tell them what we want. And I have hope that they're going to listen. Whereas Trump didn't listen. Didn't even, yeah. Or yeah, because... I hope, I hope. I don't even want... I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't with confidence yet say like it will happen, but I hope it will. But I think I that know. that in itself is a difference because could you ever... For four yeah. years, did you ever have hope? Because all the hope no. that Barack Obama like dug up out of me for tw- uh, eight years during his presidency, somehow, like, I ended up with less hope than I started with, like, when I was born, okay? (laughs) Within the past four years, okay? Like, I ended up with, like, a negative amount of hope (laughs) within the past four years. So the fact that I can even say that word, that four-letter word, the fact that I can even tell you that I am hopeful, I think that's something. Thanks for listening to our November episode of PB and Chill. Stay tuned after the outro music for our bloopers. Dude, I remember that Jordan Park invited me to her 7th grade birthday party where, like, Georgia Daily and Chelsea Derno, and, like, it was, like, a pool party, and I was, like, I'm not comfortable with my body to, like, be in a pool with all these white girls. You know what? The, the people who had pool parties were bitches. No, dude, it was a really bitchy environment, because then at some point, I was the person that was the only person in the pool, and I was, like, this is extremely uncomfortable. Like, is this, like... <laughs> Shut up, you asking me please, please, please spare me the extra embarrassment that is already ingrained in my soul from going into the pool. Why didn't you tell me that? 
Because first of all, I my entire first of all, this is the story of my life because I always have a plan going into social situations and I always say fuck it and mess up anyway. So I went I went into that social situation saying I'm not gonna for one second step into the pool. And then Jordan Park for some reason convinced me to go into the pool. So I was like, fuck it. So I went into the pool. I hated every second of my life after that. And then it didn't even matter because she had some drama with Georgia Daly. So like I had to go calm Jordan down because I was the only person that wasn't white. So I was like, I was first of all, I was in the pool when all of this drama ensued. So I didn't even know what was going on. Dog. 